0: Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns
1: nuggets now. Aaron is a definition of selfless. I mean, talk about a guy that... Um, Knowing that Michael and Jamal was back, just has checked his ego out the door the whole season. And, you know, he's quietly goes under the radar, but the impact he is having is so profound, both on offense and defense. Um, You know, taking the other team's best player, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, last series. Um, Obviously, Anthony Edwards was great, but, you know, the job he did on Carl Anthony Towns, I thought, was stellar. Uh, The job he's doing on Kevin Durant right now.
0: It's Michael Malone, head coach of the Denver Nuggets, as we welcome you back in 3 o'clock. The Burns and Gambo Show on this, the day of Game 3 from Footprint Center tonight. Suns trying to change their fortunes in this series so far, down two games to none. Trying to even this thing back up over the course of tonight and then again on Sunday in Game 4. And if they are to even this series up, it's going to require lots of things to happen. Kevin Durant's going to have to play better. Devin Booker is going to have to continue to play at a very high level. The Suns are going to have to manage you know Chris Paul not being out there and how they're going to work with all of that. But, Gambo, it's also going to require, I think, a little bit of coming back down to earth for Aaron Gordon. Because he has been playing out of his yeah. mind so far two games into this series. And, I, and I'm not, I, I don't mean to not praise him and not say that he, he's been terrific. Can he keep this up, I think, is one of the big question marks for the remainder of the series. Because he's sure. been really good so far the first two games.
2: Yeah, and they've used him in a couple of different ways, right? He's normally their power forward. And then when Jokic goes to the bench, they switch him over to the center spot. Now, if you remember, they went out there and they got that Thomas Bryant in a trade. But that didn't really work out for them, right? That didn't work out at all. So, you know, Thomas, Thomas Bryant was the center. They thought that could be the guy. Because they were really struggling. Really, really struggling. Struggling in non-jokic minutes. And so they go out and they make this trade and they bring in Thomas Bryant and they're like, okay, now he hasn't played. I mean, he hasn't played in these playoffs. I don't think he played against Minnesota at all. He hasn't played against the Suns. He was supposed to be their backup center and it just hasn't worked out. So they, their answer was within. They didn't even realize it. So they make that trade. I think it was at the Lakers. They get Thomas Bryant and it's Aaron Gordon who's playing the backup center minutes all along. Hey, we got, we got a guy that could do it. We didn't even need to go get Thomas Bryant. So Aaron Gordon has played the five quite a bit. He did it against Minnesota and he's done it against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and again, this is going to sound like I'm I'm
0: depriving Aaron Gordon of credit for what he's done because he's been great, but the idea that the second most used lineup for the Denver Nuggets and the second most successful lineup for the Denver Nuggets has been the one where Nikola Jokic is not on the floor and Aaron Gordon is playing the small ball five. <laughs> right? Like that's the, that's the kind of thing, if you had told me that a week ago before the series Started. Yeah. I'd have said, yeah, okay, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like like oh hey, by the way, the Nuggets, they're gonna win the minutes when Jokic is on the bench and it's gonna be because Aaron Gordon was their small ball five. Forget what the-, the hell? Shut the front door. But That's th- not
2: gonna happen. But think about this. We talk all We talked a lot about how the sons and Monty have tried to make sure two starters are on the court at all times. That second unit, when Jokic is on the bench, it's Gordon and Murray as the two starters. Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, Christian Braun. So that's their lineup. They go Gordon and Murray, and then they bring in Jeff Green... Bruce Brown and and Braun. So that's kind of worked for them. Like that that second unit's done a pretty good job. You're right. The Suns should try to make that unit pay. You know, when Michael Porter Jr. is sitting and Catavious Caldwell-Pope is sitting and Jokic is sitting and they're playing Murray and Gordon and they bring in Green, they bring in Brown, they bring in Braun. Those are the three bench guys you would think that maybe, but those guys have played well. Like this, the Nuggets bench guys are playing well and so there's not as much pressure on Gordon and Murray, because those other three guys can control. Unlike the Suns bench, yep. which has been a zero. Yep. Hey, we're going to play these three guys with your two starters. Great. Your three guys are a zero for the Phoenix Suns, but for the Nuggets, those three guys are a plus playing with the two starters.
0: Yeah, now, we, we had some fun with this yesterday, but if you weren't, worth, weren't with us yesterday, I'll play it again. Michael Malone made it very clear he's not trying to provide any bulletin board material in this series by praising the job Aaron Gordon is doing on Kevin
1: Durant's board material. He is not stopped being Kevin Durant. No one is. But he's making it hard. That's all you you can hope for. He's making it hard and not giving him any easy ones. Um, So he's locked in. He's disciplined. He's selfless. Offensively, uh, his efficiency right now around the rim, from the three-point line, and most importantly from the foul line. He's just going up there and relaxed, taking his time, and shooting the ball with great confidence. And I, I think these seven games have been some of the best consistent basketball that Aaron Gordon has played in a Denver Nugget uniform. Honestly, you know what all this conversation reminds me of? Just, just hearing Michael Malone's cut right there. It reminds
0: me of two years ago and what people were saying about DeAndre Ayton against Nikola Jokic. It's like carbon copy, man. Only because, listen to what, remember what he said at the beginning of that soundbite. This is not bulletin board material. He is not stopping Kevin Durant. No one is. You could easily sub out two years ago. Look, this is not bulletin board material. DeAndre Ayton is not shutting out Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic is one of the best. You don't shut out Nikola Jokic. You make it as hard for him as you possibly can, right? That's exactly what DeAndre Ayton was doing two years ago. Jokic was still getting his. He was still getting his points. He was still doing his thing. But DeAndre Ayton was making it really hard for Nikola Jokic to get his. And Aaron Gordon is making it really hard for Kevin Durant to get his. Really, really hard. Yeah. Let's see if that changes tonight. That's one of the major keys going into yeah, tonight's No, game. He can
2: hit the three. He's scoring on dunks. He's hitting turnaround baskets over Torrey Craig. And in that, that lineup, it's a crazy rating. I was looking at this, this number. That, that second unit that we talked about with Gordon and Murray, with Green, Brown, and Braun, they've got a, an offensive rating of a 111.3 and a defensive rating of 92.3. That's a net rating of 19 points per 100 possessions. They really benefited. The Suns are not punishing them at all when Jokic is on the bench. And Gordon's a big reason why, because he has the ability to score, and he has the ability to play defense, and he's playing a lot of minutes. So he's done a really good job for them. That's been a problem. It's been a thorn. In the side for the phoenix suns in the first two games now will it last well will
0: aaron gordon continue to play at that high level i mean look the what's the phrase that we keep throwing around role players play better at home well that should mean that the opposite could be true do we do we can a do we consider aaron gordon a role player and b if we do do we expect him to not play as well because he's
2: on the road 'Cause if we if we're sitting here gonna say no, I think I don't think he's a role player. You know, he's, he's a starter that gets forty minutes a game. He's not brown, he's not brawn. Okay. He's, I don't think he's a role player. He's their third best player. Most nights he's their third best player. Sometimes it might be Michael Porter Jr., but for the most part, he's, okay. he's their third best just guy. just asking the question. I don't think he's a role player. Because
0: they, they're, they're kind of defined by their top two guys, right? Like when you think of the Denver Nuggets, first player you think of, Nikola Jokic. Second player you think of, Jamal Murray. I would agree that Aaron Gordon's the third player that you think of if you were just going off the top of your mind. But I don't know if we consider him one of the stars on that team. He's certainly not a role player, but he's not a star. He's not like Nikola Jokic, no. wow, or Jamal Murray, wow. He's somewhere in between role player and star on that team. And I just wonder if guys like that will he play not quite that well because he's not at home
2: and he doesn't have the comforts of being home. I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, a, I think I'm have to go look, but I think he played pretty good On the road against, I'm just going to look just quick look here. I think he played pretty good on the road against Minnesota because the first two were at home. He had 14 and seven, and then 14 and seven. So the, the two the two games in Minnesota, he actually scored more points than he did in the first game and the second game. He had 13 in the first game at home, 12 in the second game at home, then 14 and 14. So, like, he had good games. I mean, six out of 12 from the field in one game, four out of seven from the field in another, grabbed seven rebounds. He was fine. He was fine on the road against Minnesota. But again,
0: he's in some, and it's not just because they both went to U of A. In some ways, he's their version of Ayton in that his impact on the game is far less than what you'll see in a box score. Right, like his impact on a basketball game cannot be measured by he went four of seven from the floor. No, he's got a lot or he of went six of twelve from the floor. Right, like that that's, versatility defensively. Yep, yep. That's and that to me is why he's very much like their version of DeAndre Aiden. You can get offense out of him. Fantastic, great. That's awesome. That's not the main thing we're asking Aaron Gordon to do. If you're the Denver Nuggets, you're asking Aaron Gordon to date. Hey, see that number thirty-five out there? Go make it really hard for him. Go make it as hard for
2: him as you possibly can. He's been doing great at it so the Guy's far. been in the league for nine years. He's only 27 years old. <laughs> yeah, He's only 27. He's yeah. been in the league for nine years. Rock
0: and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers are headed to State Farm Stadium with their special guests, The Strokes on May 14th. That's coming up quick and you can win a pair of tickets right now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com Phoenix Suns are back home. They don't have Chris Paul. What's their recipe for success without Chris Paul? One national writer, friend of ours, as a matter of fact, had an idea, and we'll share it with you next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns nuggets now.
2: Alright, Suns Nuggets tonight at the arena. Crucial Game 3 for Phoenix. They are the favorites tonight, but th- this is a very important game. They don't win this one. Might be looking at a sweep here. Reversal of what happened just two years ago. Kevin Pelton, our good buddy, did a nice piece on, on how the Suns can bounce back in this game. And, Birdsey, a lot of good angles there on what Phoenix could do to bounce back against the Nuggets tonight in Game 3. Yeah, and, you know, a, a
0: bunch of them we've talked about. A bunch of them will talk about a little bit more. Um, One in particular is I think something that we expect to see a lot of tonight, depending on how much time campaign gets and how effective campaign is going to be. But in those moments when it's Point Book and when he's out there running the show, one of his suggestions was have Kevin Durant screen for Devin Booker a lot. Get your number one scoring option and Kevin Durant involved a little bit more. But before we get into some of these specific suggestions from our guy Kevin Belton, I want to start with how he led the piece because I think in some ways it's almost the most interesting thing about writing about how the Suns can get back into this series. Okay, we, we're sitting here and we're focused on two o, two o, two o teams that are two o. It's what seven percent, yes, eight percent of the time. This is why we like Kevin Pelton here on the Burns and Gamble show. He thinks outside the box. He dug a little bit. Deeper than just that. He writes the chances are much better for teams like Phoenix, which were favored entering the series without home court advantage. So, again, it's a really thin slice here of teams. But think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Teams like Phoenix, who were favorites to win the series but didn't have home court advantage. According to pre-series odds, four of the 13 teams, like the Phoenix Suns, that started their series down 2-0, came back to win. And that includes the Golden State Warriors of the Sacramento I would have
2: loved it. I would have loved it, except for one thing. Yeah? The Suns lost their starting point guard. Yeah. Get now. Now send up the bad signal. Tell them to do it with a team that lost one of their top players to an injury. Run
0: the simulation. Run the simulation. <laughs> run out of it, those, run out of it. those,
2: th- the thirteen teams did anybody lose a it's... a key play? Like I would have really liked it if Chris Paul was healthy. Okay, I would have said, oh, teams that are favored bounce back at a higher rate, thirty one percent compared to eight percent. It's still even with with that. It's still two thirds compared to like you know less than ten percent of a chance. But with Chris Paul out, that changes the whole dynamics of that as well. You're asking the Suns to do something. It's very difficult to do. And, oh, by the way, take away one of your most important players on the court. He's not going to play probably the rest of this series. Yeah, no, that that is a good point. And, and I, I, will, I will admit... I'm
0: curious to see what it looks like without Chris Paul out there. Like, is it like there were times during that Clippers series, I thought the offense ran better when Chris Paul wasn't out there. Now I know that kind of ignores the numbers we talked about. The numbers yesterday from Kellen's story. Chris was good when Chris is on the floor, was, when Chris isn't on the floor. The numbers, the difference, the things. Like I'm just talking remember
2: about what it was offhand because it was a big
0: difference when was, Chris was on the floor. As far uh, as, uh, an eight point advantage per hundred possessions when he's on. An 18-point disadvantage per 100 possessions when he's off. Wow. And that was the biggest swing of anybody on the team, if I remember right. So, look, I'm I'm not going to dispute the math, and I'm not going to dispute the numbers. I'm just talking about from a pure eye test standpoint during that Clippers series. There were moments where point book, I thought the offense... Ran better and felt better than Chris Paul You know, like it just seemed like it had better pace It had better flow It had, it, it, they were stepping on the gas A little bit more I'm, I'm excited to see Point Book tonight But I'm also hesitant about Chris And his, and his um, absence from this series Alright, so Here's some of the things that Pelton talked about. Number one, have Kevin Durant screen for Devin Booker. Okay. Uh, it's surprising how little two-man game we saw between the Suns' two best players in games one and games two. Now, when he says screen, it's like Kevin Durant actually has to make solid contact rather than slip it out
2: or kind of leaving it a little early. And his nuggets have been much more physical in this series. and the
0: nuggets have been much, much more physical in this series. The second one I'm going to skip because we're going to talk about it a lot in the next segment, and, and that is win the minutes that Jokic sits. We've talked. A, lot of, a little bit about that. We're going to talk really about that coming up in the next segment. Nikola Jokic attacking him off the ball. That's something that Zach Lowe pointed out in his podcast. The Nuggets have done a lot better of using their series two years ago to kind of prepare for this one. Like they saw how the Suns, and it helps when you have Jamal Murray out there, but the Suns on offense just screening and going right after Nikola Jokic, right? He would drop down and they would just hit that little mid range shot. And there was nothing they could do about it. They've done a much much better job. than Nuggets have kind of countering that, and the Suns have to come to a counter for something yeah, like that. If you
2: could get him away from the basket somehow, some way, make him come out, then the rebound numbers should you know be more in favor of the Phoenix Suns because they're getting killed on the boards right now. Um, yeah, but the thing is, as a as a jump shooting team, it's hard to you know you you kind of know that that's what they're going to do. So how do you get Jokic to come out of that paint? How do you how do you get him to do it? You know you know if Ayton's, if Aiton comes out. Out and sets a high screen, you know. Force do you force Jokic to come out and pick that guy up, or does he just stay where he's at? You know, the the math has always worked for Denver here. The Suns are going to score a bunch of twos, and Denver's going to score a bunch of threes, and um, and they're going to going to win that battle. So I don't know if you can pull Jokic away from the basket because he's very content sitting there and grabbing all those rebounds. Here's the one that. I think a
0: lot of Suns fans are talking about. And, and again, it's a conversation about the bench and how ineffective the bench has been. But Pelton's suggestion in particular was settle on a rotation, decide, Stop. stick with it, right? <laughs> he writes, switching back and forth between a variety of options has made it difficult for any of the Suns bench players to find a rhythm. At this point, Phoenix would surely be better off picking eight or nine players and sticking with them That's what both did. halves. That's what Denver's done. Sure. Well, They play green, brown, and brawn. That's it. Nobody else plays. That's it. Nobody else plays. Nobody else plays. Haven't had an E2. They haven't been punched in the mouth yet so far mm-hmm. in this series. Um, but he, he. And, and look, we've all lived it. We've all seen the frustration. Money Williams used 11 guys in the first half of Game 2 alone. You could see him. It was like like when you go to a department store, right? You grab a whole bunch of clothes off the rack and you take them in the dressing room and you just try that on. No, that on. Yeah, now that. Yeah, no. And you start the only problem for Monty is walking out of the dressing room
2: empty-handed. That's right. I didn't like any he, of them. He didn't find anything he
0: liked. I didn't
2: like any of these clothes. He
0: left a big pile of clothes in the dressing room yeah. for the poor person who works retail yeah. at Dillard's yeah. to put all the way back on the shelves. Exactly. Right? Like, I didn't like any of that stuff. And that's and look, I don't blame Monty.
2: For trying a bunch of different stuff to see what would fit, to see what would work, I blame Monty for not having a playoff rotation set. I have to, I have to blame him for. No. You, but you're talking about like before the season even ended, right? I think that he needed to know going into the playoffs what his rotations okay. were going to be. Okay, and you know, you got Ish, you got Craig, you got Biz, Landa, you got two centers, you've got uh, one point guarding campaign, you've got Damian Lee as a shooting guard, you've got Ish, you got Craig. Uh, him not knowing what is, ro- you have to blame him. I mean, he he takes. He should take the blame for not knowing who his top three guys were for the bench. I think the problem was, you know, that Monty, Ma- the way Monty thinks is, is two ways. Where we- Malone's thinking, I'm going to put my three best players on the court. And that's what I'm doing with Green, Brown, and Braun. Monty's like, well, I like these guys for offense, but I like these guys for defense. But I don't like this guy for defense, and I don't like that guy for offense. And it's caused a lot of problems. Sure. Pick your three best players and go with your three best players. Well,
0: I think the pro- you know what the problem with that is? Monty doesn't know who his three best players are. Well, pick them and he, just go with he them, just ride them. Who, who are my three best players? I don't know. I don't know, because you're right. Part of the, what complicates it is that some of them are offensive-minded, some of them are defensive-minded. He doesn't have a true blend. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to game one of the Clippers series. Mm-hmm. Torrey Craig in the starting lineup. Yeah. No, it worked. It worked, but it was such a departure from everything they had done up until that moment. Okay. It kind of feels like Monty's been playing catch-up ever
2: since then. Okay, Torrey Craig. Bismack biombo and Campaign should have been his guys. Well, Campaign was hurt. Okay, then Terrence Ross. Pick three guys. Not Landry. <laughs> no, <laughs> he says not Landry. Not Damian Lee. Not Ish. Well, not Landale. Eh. No, I mean you got to listen. Pick three guys. Go. You want to go at nine? Now, a Campaign's healthy, Campaign, Terrence Ross. Tori, Craig, Bismack Biombo. nine. That's your nine. Well, if, don't go any more than that. If we're being honest about this, he he picked Landry Shamit, and Landry Shamit failed
0: him. He stuck with Landry. Landry was one of it. Yep. Landry was one of the few guys. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have picked him. That, that he stuck with. That he said he's going to be one of my main rotational players. He was one of the first guys in off the bench. Right. When has he ever been game? good for the Phoenix
2: Suns? God, like, uh, when has very he ever rarely, been good? Very rarely. It was it's, a waste of thirty something million dollars. Yeah, Let's call it like it is. It, it was a total waste of money. It's not worked
0: out for them, but they. That was. He did with Landry what Kevin Pelton wanted him to do. He identified a guy and he stuck with him. I'm going to stick with you. You're my guy. And it failed. It failed again and again and again. And eventually he had to pull him out. Okay. And by doing so, it's just like a nightly lottery to see who gets to play bench off so, the bench
2: for the Suns. So he didn't like what he did in the first two games against the Clippers. But then he still played him four minutes, five minutes, nine minutes, and 14 minutes in the next four games. If you got to bench him, bench him. You know, like Landry Shabich, sit him on the bench and play somebody else. Instead, those four minutes in Game 3 against the Clippers, the five against the Clippers in Game 4, the nine against the Clippers in Game four, the 14 minutes against Denver in Game 1, if you didn't believe in Landry after the first two games, but stop being so wishy-washy. Yeah, You know, stop being so wishy-washy. Make a decision and stick with it. Texas, your thoughts about the, tonight's
0: game and what Monty's going to do on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back here on Burns and Gambo. It was uh, their biggest weakness this regular season. And the Phoenix Suns have not been able to take advantage of what the Nuggets have now turned into apparently their greatest strength. These playoffs, we'll tell you what it is coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Game day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Both of us, as soon as tonight's show is over, we're going to head down to Footprint Center. See what the Suns can do in game three at home, down 2-0 against the Denver Nuggets. And certainly, there's a lot of things we're going to be watching for. Number one, how do they play without Chris Paul? Number two, Gambo's reporting yesterday. It sounds like, barring a setback, it's going to be campaign. Who is going to start? What kind of a leash does he have? How long is it? How short? How much point book do we see? How does Kevin Durant do? How are Kevin Durant and Devin Booker going to run the two-man game? We've got like a long running list of things to watch for tonight. Somewhere on your list, if you're watching tonight's game, all right, what you need to watch for is that moment, whenever it happens, when Nikola Jokic checks out of the game, all right, I want you to see Nikola Jokic walk off the court. I'm not talking to you, Gambo. I'm talking to the audience. because yeah. I know you're going to do this because okay. you, take, you take great notes about <laughs> substitutions. When you see Nikola Jokic head to the bench and he sits down, I want your eyes to go to the little score bug, and I want you to take note of what the score is. And then when Jokic checks back in, I want you to look back at the score and see what the score is again. That part of the game has been...
2: Killing the Phoenix Suns so far in these first two games. 100%. Killing them. We noticed it so much in game one. Yeah. And then in game two. I mean, they are winning the Jokic Minutes. They're winning the minutes that Jokic is out of the lineup. We talked earlier about how Aaron Gordon slides in to play the five a lot, and they have just they have dominated. it was a big surprise in that first game when, when Jokic went out, and then when he came back in, and they were ahead. And then, um, but that is the key. I mean, if you, if you're the Suns, you want to be able to win those minutes. The fact that they weren't able to in either one of these games, that's a big no-no. Like whatever, and it's it's not like he's out for like these incredible. Long stretches, but when he is out, you 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 can't have the Nuggets increase their lead, and that's kind of what happened. The headline in the story on the Ringer
0: that Mitch found um, it's cute play on words. The Nuggets are no longer a joke when Nikola Jokic sits. All right, that's clever. I like that. Yeah. that's funny. And then they go on and they paint this picture with the numbers, and you know their net rating is this with them, their net rating is that without them, and and what a shock it's been. It's not just been against the Suns, by the way. It's been all postseason long. Right. It was against. It was against. Minnesota, too. Um, a lot of this, and we talked about this a little earlier in the show, when when they go small like that, and Aaron Gordon is playing at the center position, how well that he's done. In fact, I'm going to read this from the FanDuel text line, because we spent so much time the last couple days talking about Aaron Gordon and how well he's played. Uh, one of our listeners on the FanDuel text line described Aaron Gordon as the Sean Marion of the Denver Nuggets. Oh, I like that. Right? I like That's that. Yeah, yeah, Because of his ability to play multiple positions, guard multiple
2: guys, even be a small ball five out there yeah. and it's worked. It's worked really well for Denver. Look, what, we can, what you can look at is look at the first game. Okay? Brutal first half. Suns are down by 17. What was crazy about that is the, the non-Jokic minutes were uh, a plus eight. He checked out with 133 left in the first quarter. Denver's up by one. When he comes back into the game after a long rest, six minutes and 36 seconds of the second quarter, they're up by eight. So the, the they outscored the Suns 21 to 14 in that stretch. That's the that's that's got to be what not doesn't happen anymore. Can't have those type of stretches when you've got Jokic on the bench. He went to the bench with 133 left in the first quarter, came back 636 left in the second quarter, and then and they actually increased the lead from 1 to 8. So it's a plus 7. That's that's terrible for Phoenix. Can't happen. Can't happen. Can't happen. No. And and I remember
0: that stretch because I remember thinking, okay, DeAndre Ayton, go to town. He's not out there. Go to town. You, you should be able to get a bunch of offensive rebounds. You should be able to score. Nikola Jokic is, is go get and, and it didn't it didn't happen. I'm going to go back to Kevin Pelton, okay. our our favorite ESPN NBA insider. He frequently joins the show. He wrote extensively about this and he talked about those non Jokic minutes and his idea. And I'll be curious to see if the Suns roll this out at any point tonight is to play Kevin Durant as your small ball five when, on those lineups when when Jokic isn't out there. You know, to have Kevin Durant be your center and say, oh, you guys are going small? Okay, we're going to go small, too. And against Gordon. And K, against and KD's going to be our five.
2: KD's going to be our small ball five. Okay. It's basically a seven-footer. I mean, he's... he's yeah, he's, it's just Gordon's a very physical player. He's yes. going gonna to ram that body into you. He's going you know, to... You know, KD can block shots. Uh, yeah, I think it, it's not going to be for crazy long amounts a time, but it might be worth something to try. Instead of having Biambo come into the game, maybe keep KD out there and let KD play. But there's a major concern about the amount of minutes that KD has played so far. And remember, he's been, he's, he's missed a lot of games this year. He's been hurt a whole yeah. bunch. And, you know, you pile those minutes up. But it's definitely worth a try to maybe switch that off and see if you can counter what they're doing with uh, Gordon at the five. It's the, it's the minutes thing
0: that is... Again, on your top 10 list of things to keep an eye out for tonight, that's something else on the list, right? How long does Book sit? How long does KD sit? How comfortable is Monty sitting either one of those guys? How comfortable, you know, the, the stagger, making sure that one of them is on the floor all the time? Yes. I have to assume that's in effect tonight, that that should always be in effect for the Suns, but to what extent? I mean, you even had the suggestion of which, by the way, one of my best friends in the whole world thought it was a great idea is to it's just to play all five bench guys at the same time with no Durant and no Booker and that way nobody feels like they have to defer. Nobody feels like this isn't a good shot that I'm taking because it's not Kevin Durant or Devin Booker who's yeah, taking it. I deferring. can't. Yeah. it's and, and and it, deferring. And look, let's be honest. We're talking about Josh Kogi, right? We're talking about Josh Kogey having a wide open five footer and going, yep, nope, nope, nope. Never mind. I'm going to pass it out. I'll say this campaign. He ain't going to have that problem. Terrence Ross, he ain't going to have that problem. T.J. Ross ain't going to have that problem. I don't even T.J. know. T.J. F- Warren. T.J. what did I say? T.J. T.J. Ross. T.J. Ross, sorry about that. T.J. Warren ain't going to have that problem. Like there, At least if Monty goes with those guys, you do not have to worry about Terrence Ross. Hmm, should I shoot this or should I pass off to KD? I don't know. I guess I know. I'll pass
2: off to him. He'll you, shoot. He'll fire. I prefer three guys and going with eight. So my preference is that Monty picks three guys and says through hella high water, I'm going with these three guys because Monty's had a time time figuring out offense, defense. Just play your three best guys. Who are your three best players? Play them. If he's, if he's not going to do that, if he's so, you know, if he's not able to make that decision, then yeah, you know what? Why not? Give everybody a rest. Let the five guys go out there and play and see what they could do because they're used to playing with each other. They've got some continuity together.
0: Yeah, it, it's... I can see why Monty would not want to do that. It's got to make you really uncomfortable not to have either Kevin Durant or Devin Booker on the floor. But then that, that again, circles back to the minutes conversation. How much is too much? How You've got a game on Sunday. And, and it, you can sit there and say, Sunday doesn't matter. You must win tonight. And if playing those guys 45 minutes leads you to a win tonight, you do it. You don't uh-huh. think twice about it. And I get yeah, that. Yeah. But you do also, there's a cumulative effect here. And i got to imagine Monty's going to be thinking about minutes. And keeping his guys fresh because we all saw it in game two. Devin Booker was out of gas. Kevin Durant was out of gas. Completely.
2: You do not want to run into that situation again. No. You a, know? The gas tank was on empty in that fourth quarter. I mean, it was their lowest scoring fourth quarter of the season. They started 0 for 9 from the field. They finished 7 for 25. Couldn't make any shots. They were 0 for 7 from the field. Back to the Jokic. They were 0 for 7 from the field while Jokic was out of the game in the fourth quarter. Here you've got Jokic out of the game in a close game and you clank seven shots while he's sitting on the bench. Like, you basically handed the game to them, and the Nuggets shot 9 for 15 in the fourth quarter. They were fresh. They know what their rotation is. They know what their bench is. They know that they can rest Jokic a certain amount of time and Murray and those guys, so that's really played to their favor. Yeah. All right, we need you, Suns fans, more than ever, to rally the Valley for
0: Game 3 tonight, Game 4 on Sunday. Text the word "tickets" to 62620. You don't have that much longer until we read off another name. Register and then listen for your name during the 5 Five o'clock hour today for your chance to qualify for game three and game four tickets to see the suns take on the nuggets again text the word ticket to 620 620 all right turning our attention away from the suns and on to the arizona cardinals we applauded the cardinals for their success with the draft last weekend was it in fact a success somebody says it wasn't i'll tell you who next burns and gambo
1: And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
0: All right, taking a brief break from Suns Nuggets, I promise we'll get right back into it starting with the 4 o'clock reset. Uh, We've got the ESPN writer coming up at the 4 o'clock hour who's covering this series for ESPN.com Tim McMahon. He'll join us as well to preview tonight's game which is coming up at 7 o'clock. A lot of nervous anticipation for this one tonight for the game 4 on Sunday to see if the Suns can indeed get back into this thing and if they can do it without Chris Paul. But um, also with the Cardinals still just being a week removed from the NFL draft, the schedule release, expected to be sometime next week, and mostly for the large part, the Arizona Cardinals have received nothing but Glorious reviews for the work that they did in the draft. It, not just for the guys that they got. In fact, it really wasn't even about the guys that they got necessarily. It was more about the moves that they made and the way they set themselves up. Like it just feels like from that standpoint alone, whether you believe in Paris Johnson Jr. or whether you believe in B.J. Ojulari or 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 Garrett Williams or any of the other guys, that just the maneuvering alone, you would think eh, they had a pretty good weekend. Right? They had a, maybe the best first round pick in next year's draft and. They added a couple of third rounders next year. They, they looked pretty set. Not according to one of the NFL writers over at the Sporting News, gave the Cardinals a D for their draft Woo. and ranked them 31 out of 32 teams when judging their draft.
2: What did he not like about the draft? Tell me, because I'm into, Like, we don't know if these players are going to be any good. I mean, every almost everybody gets an A or a B, so it's hard to find somebody to give somebody a D. Um, basically, saying all these players are garbage if you give somebody a D. So, what did he not like? about it. The card, he wrote, the Cardinals went into trade-down
0: mode to stockpile for new coach Jonathan Gannon and new GM Monty Austin for but this is a very underwhelming bunch outside of Oju and Williams, including, in his estimation, a bit of a forced luxury pick in Paris Johnson Jr., prompted by kyler murray wilson gains and tune were shaky selections in the middle with a mild rebound for popo and clark at the end of the draft that was so
2: so if i'm so not loving the paris johnson pick and underwhelmed with several of the picks in the middle of the draft
0: yeah like those julari liked Garrett Williams. That was the second and the third round pick. But I I think the main knock is that the first round pick they feel like because, I'm guessing, I'm just reading into this, because they already had DJ Humphreys, because they already had Kelvin Beecham, because they already had Josh Jones, that maybe they didn't need a left tackle, that maybe that wasn't a a good value pick for them because it felt like they had tackles on the roster and it was kind of a luxury pick to go get another one. And I totally disagree with that. So do I. So do I. And then in parentheses, the prompted by Kyler Murray, bit seems to be a little bit of a dig at Paris Johnson Jr. Maybe being Kyler Murray's preferred player, and maybe the suggestion, maybe the hint that the Cardinals were kind of deferring to their star quarterback in terms of what player he wanted in the draft. Is that the
2: suggestion
0: sure, that could I'm be. supposed to get out of this? That that's kind could of the be. vibe I got. Yeah. Look,
2: the worst. Listen, DJ Humphries. It's not like DJ Humphries is old. Okay, he's twenty. Nine years old. When the season ends, he'll be thirty. So he'll be thirty when the season ends. You got to start finding that replacement for those guys two years in advance because it takes tackles years to develop. You don't sit there and say, "Oh, this is the last year of me having this guy." Let me, you know, next we'll draft in. We'll draft his replacement in. Say this was the last year for DJ Humphreys. You're not supposed to go into it and say, "We'll draft a tackle with our first or second pick in the next round. He'll be the replacement." Can't do it like that. Mm-hmm tackles take time to develop. These kids are kids. They grow up against grown men, and it's much different than, than college football. So you draft – you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers were always great at this. I'm going to draft the guy that's going to replace this guy two years earlier. They were so great at it, and it's the right philosophy. So if you're looking at DJ Humphreys, you're saying he's my left tackle now. At 29, and he'll be my net left tackle at 30. By 31 or 32, I don't know. I I have to move him to right tackle or we might get off the contract. That's why you got a Paris Johnson ready. The, the philosophy is right. I don't know if the player's right or not. I don't yeah. know if Paris Johnson's going to be any good or he's going to be a bust. Yeah. But. I think the philosophy on drafting the tackle is the right idea. Plus, you always need depth at that position.
0: You need depth at that position, and the versatility that Paris Johnson Jr. showed when he was at Ohio State—he's played guard. He can play guard. Like the, the Cardinals might need him to play guard this year. He—if he, he's one of their five best offensive linemen, he should play. He should play. Yeah, I, 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 he, he could very well be your left guard this season, and that'd be fine. If he—if he wins the job and he's one of your five best offensive linemen, you do it. Now, you know, I—I I don't think having too many. Left tackles, I don't think that's a bad problem to have in the NFL. I really, especially when you start preparing for the future, knowing that Kelvin Beacham isn't going to be around much longer, knowing that Josh Jones have no idea what they have in Josh Jones. Not a clue. He's been around for a few years, played a little. Yeah. We all thought he was one of the tackles of the future. It really hasn't materialized yet. They brought back Kelvin Beecham. I don't know. And DJ Humphrey. Yeah. He might have one good year left in him before he starts to slip and slide. He's not any good anymore. I, I have no problem with the value of that. Then if you go big picture, you found a story of, and I can't remember what yeah, CB, mean, was CBS, CBS Sports. CBS Sports. Ranking uh, the off-seasons of all yeah, the teams. they
2: ranked all 32 teams for their draft picks, free agent moves, trades, and more. They gave the Cardinals a D, and it says they must be saving their money for something. It's understandable they didn't want to pay massive bucks to keep Zach Allen or Byron Murphy, but that means Jonathan Garrett inherited D, is still devoid of many building blocks. I talked about wide receiver Zach Pascal and Kaiser. White have followed Gannon from Philly, but they're role players at best. At least they're prioritizing the trenches in some sense by drafting Paris Johnson Jr. early. But they just, you know, when you factor in the hole offseason, they may like to draft a little bit, but they do looked at the free agency and they didn't plug any holes in free agency except for just you know, they plugged holes for guys that can come in for one year and fill a void, but they didn't look to get guys that are an upgrade over what they had. Can I, can I be honest with you? Yeah.
0: Okay, the more I think about what the Cardinals have done this off-season, and I'm being dead serious with you. The more I love it. The more I love everything they've done this because, off season Because
2: it looks like a tanking. They're, they're
0: embracing yeah. who they are. Yeah. They're, okay, we're not going to be why any go good. Why go get good again? Why, why, why go spend money on a guy when we're not going to be any good? Let's say, let's roll our money to next year. Let's roll our draft picks to next year. Let's prepare to be good again next year. Let's look in the mirror, take a good, long, cold, hard look at us and realize we're not going to be any good. Embrace it. Lean into it. Steer the sails right into that storm. Just don't right. be any good this year. And, nope. and to that point, what was the point in bringing back Zach Allen? What was the point in bringing back Byron Murphy? The, 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 embrace who you are. The more I think about what they've done this offseason, the more I really, really like it. And yes, this will make you happy. I
2: want them to lose. Yes, I like that. I like that. I want that. them to lose this I like year. It. You're coming around. I yeah, do because you're coming it, around. That's. The plan. Well, you know what I say? Listen, why would you sign a bunch of players that may take you from a two-win football team to a five-win football team? The, what helped the Cardinals this year is that they were so bad they were in a position to make a massive trade that helped them. Okay, when you're picking, when you when you're the Raiders and you're six and eleven, you can't make that trade. You know, so that's the problem. Like when you're in, a, if you're a five, six, seven win team and there's five teams ahead of you, guess what? You're not in a position to do. You are not in a position to make a trade with somebody for the hole the Cardinals just got. No doubt. So it's better to just be bad, embrace who you are, and lose. Especially when you have no idea when you're starting quarterback
0: is going to be available to play to you. And, and if Kyler Murray were healthy and ready to go in week one, then I think, A, I'd have a real different mindset about the offseason that they had, and B, I think the Cardinals would have had a really different offseason. I think they would have approached it differently. But knowing their quarterback is going to be out four, five, six, eight, nine, who knows? I have no idea how long he's going to be out. But knowing that that's going to be the situation you're inheriting and going into, man, lean into it. Yeah. Be it. It's okay. Mm. Y- y- if you know, this time a year from now, the Cardinals might have a ton of cap space to go spend, a ton of draft inventory to go bouncing all around the board if they want and get guys that they need. They could be in a position to turn this thing around like that if they're smart with what they do and they've drafted well and they spend well. If the, Is that worth one bad year, two bad years of Cardinals football? For me, it is. I
2: have no problem with that at all. Totally worth it if that's going to put you in a position for a couple of years to draft really high and redo that roster. And again, not just drafted high in one round, you drafted high in every round. Yep. Phoenix Suns must win tonight. We all
0: know it. We have an update on the status of Chris Paul for Game 4 as well. That's all coming up. You'll hear it in the 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show.